Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. As we head into the Lord's Word today, we're uh, wrapping up our series of Loving Life, and I hope you'll continue to love life. But we're looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13, and we're talking about, Paul is talking about rather, something that I think is very important for today. We're talking about contentment. Everyone say contentment. 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 So, Lord, as we read your word today, it is life. It is healing, it is strength, it is power, it is your word spoken through the Apostle Paul. So Lord, let it, let it speak to us today because this is your word for us today. Anoint it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer, my high place. And everyone said together, amen. You ready to receive the word of the Lord today? Let's, re- let's follow along. Philippians 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, how much understanding? All of it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, that means brothers and sisters, that's all y'all, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, in other words, whatever, let If there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, For I have learned, that's a key word, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be what? Content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have again, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me who strengthens me. Amen. Lord, bless your word today. So as we wrap this up today, we're going to talk about two things, just two things today. We're going to talk about contentment, and we're going to talk about how to get it. How many of you want to get that contentment today? You're like, I could use some of that. So let's look to to the word of the Lord. So first of all, contentment. I think it's important to recognize that contentment is a tough word for us, and a lot of times we equate it with happiness, And as it relates to happiness, if we think about happiness and what's going on in our world, you know, on the one hand, we're told uh, to be happy. We're told, has anyone ever said to you, just do whatever it takes to be happy, right? The problem is, if the crack in winning becomes my source of happiness, well, we're off to a rough start so far, aren't we, Mike, you know? 
But we're told, I just want to be happy. And, and sometimes we're told, well, I just want my kids to be happy, right? But yet, we're also told that never settle for anything less than the best, right? Don't, don't be happy with what you have. You should do more. You should, just, you should press forward and just, just press forward and, what, and everything that's going on. And in other words, this can sound a lot like, you know, don't be content with what you have. You were made for more in this life to go out and get it. But uh, unfortunately, the great battles in human history have been centered on this, this need because this can give us over to feelings of jealousy, of coveting what your neighbor has, and, and of billing with the sense that life is just not fair. How many of you have heard somebody say life is not fair? By the way, best line I ever heard was from a junior high teacher. This is not in my notes, okay? A junior high teacher. She used to be a children's pastor here years ago, Pastor Bernice. How many remember Pastor Bernice? Isn't she lovely, right? But she, would, she was a junior high teacher, and she loved it. So you can use this. But she would often hear, maybe teachers can echo this. Have you ever had a student say to you in class, life is not fair? You ever heard that, Morgan, right, from a student? Life is not fair. Best line. She'd look at him and say, fair? Do you see balloons? Do you see cotton candy? Do you see rides? What made you think my classroom is a fair? If you want a fair, you've got to pay for that ride. <laughs> take that. If that's the Lord's, take it. If not, there it is. And we've even heard this whole idea about, you know, if mom's not happy, then no one's happy, right? But I found that, you know, if dad's not happy, no one's happy either. I found the kids aren't happy, no one's happy either. I mean, you know, that this discontent can come through. And sometimes we can feel content in one area, but not over here. Sometimes we're content with, you know, maybe our kids are doing well, but, but our finances are struggling, or maybe I'm content at work, but I'm struggling at home, and, or may God help us. There's sometimes when it's like, I don't feel like anything's going, wrong, going right in my life. And we have this discontentment that, that's going, going through us. And the reality of the matter is that anytime anybody is struggling in our life, it can rob us of contentment, can't it? And since all of us can struggle with contentment, Paul, he's ending this book by focusing on this key to loving life, which is contentment. And he's highlighting contentment because we need to recognize that contentment is a biblical principle. Did you know that? Contentment is a biblical principle. Jesus talked about it. We see this in Matthew, the wisdom literature and Proverbs and Psalms. Hebrews talks about it. And 1 Timothy even talks about it as well, this whole idea where, where Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what to eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. Isn't life more than this? And Hebrews said, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And in 1 Timothy, Paul even said, for godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can't take anything out of this world. But see, Paul, he's also highlighting contentment because contentment, it wasn't necessarily a Christian world, a Christian word. Contentment was, was a word that was very common in that day, and it was large part due to the dominance of Greek philosophy. See, the Greeks, they were known for their wisdom of that day, especially philosophers like Aristotle, Plato, and, and, and Socrates. Have you heard, heard of these guys? And they, they said that to be contentment was a central concept. And those who study the philosophers says that in the ethical discussions from the time of Socrates and especially the cynic and the stoic philosophers, that this whole aspect of being content was central to it. So much so that to the Greeks, contentment, this, this was the high goal, this was the high watermark just to be content in life. And see, contentment, it's a noble goal, 
But it's a word that can rub us the wrong way because, again, like I referenced earlier, we don't want to seem like we're settling. And there are even scriptures that will say, study to show yourself approved. And in Ecclesiastes it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. And, and Ephesians 5 says that we're to make the most of every opportunity. So these, it's obviously true, and we're called to work hard, we're called to develop our skills, we're called to be good stewards of the, all the talents that God has given us. See, discipline and hard work, these are essential to living the life that the Lord's called us to. So then, where is the tension? Where is the tension that's often wrapped up in this word contentment? Well, I believe a lot of this tension that we're seeing is in the word results. Because see, we can work hard and do all these things, but when we don't get the results that we want, we struggle. When one plus one doesn't equal two, if, when I don't do A and B and equal to C, that's when we struggle, isn't it? Right? I did everything right. I mean, this is what Job ultimately said to God. He said, he said I did everything right. I didn't do anything wrong. Why is this happening to me? See, sometimes we can look around and say, you know what? I work as hard as, as that guy, but I seem to get less. Or I work out as much as that guy next to me in the gym, but he looks better than me. See, I, you, we can do the comparison game. And the comparison game is difficult because it can be motivating until we don't get the results that we want. And when we don't get the results that we want, we find ourselves crushed. And this has been at, at the root of you know, crimes of passion, revenge, stealing. And without contentment, our society is filled with chaos and with violence and so much depression. I mean, you, you all get the idea. So that's why Paul, he's leaning into this word contentment, just as relevant today as it was back in his day. So let's move on to how we can become content. How do we get this contentment that Paul is talking about? Well, first of all, I want to make sure we have a good understanding of, of what contentment means that what we're talking about, because when the Apostle Paul, and as well as when the Greek philosophers of his day, when they were talking about contentment, this is what they were talking about. See, contentment, what they meant is, is the art of being detached from the outward circumstances. See, in other words, contentment is the ability to be detached or unaffected by the circumstances around you. Paul talks about this, right? Whether it's high or low, whether rich or poor, whatever it is, it almost sounds like a marriage vow, right? In sickness and health, I can be content. In other words, your state of being is not dependent on what's happening around you. And as it relates to this, because the next question is, well, how do we achieve this? Well, the Greek philosophers, they had a method. And the Greeks, more specifically the Stoics of that day, they believed that contentment was achieved through reason and emotional detachment. And a lot of the stuff that I'm about to read here, you know, any Star Trek fans? Okay, you ever heard of Spock? This would probably be his mantra, okay? For the rest of you, Star Trek was a sci-fi film that started back in the 60s that went through, and then we have more modern renditions of that with varying opinions. But see, they believe that you, you got this level of emotional detachment by, first of all, reason. Because the Stoics reason that basically the lot you were born into, whatever you were born into, that's your lot in life, and so just deal with it. Right? So if you were born in, with a lot of abundance, that's your lot in life. If you weren't, that's your lot in life. Just be content with that, and you're content with that through emotional detachment. 
See, the Stoics would say that as you exercise this reason over your emotions, this will enable you to become emotionally detached. And through the exercise of reason over emotions, the Stoics, they, they learn to be content. That's why for the Stoics, they would often talk about emotional detachment and that this is essential in order to do that. But does that sound very good? Just to be emotionally detached? For those of you who know Star Trek, I mean, this was one of the key points that Captain Kirk often had with Spock. It's a great analogy. Unfortunately, we know the dangers of emotional detachment. You talk to any counselor, you talk to any psychologist, and emotional detachment and the dysfunction that comes through ignoring the circumstance is very destructive in our life. But still, emotional detachment is such a big temptation, but the challenge is in how you do that. And unfortunately, many of us and many people in this world, they've resorted to other things like drugs and alcohol or relationships, and they try to do all these things to distract them, whether sometimes people will become workaholics in order to emotionally dis- to distract themselves. Uh, some people will just be overeaters, you know. Uh, the biggest temptation for me in overeating is at nighttime, right? I, I can do great until 6 o'clock, and then there's a monster inside that just wants to come alive and eat everything in the fridge. It's distracting ourselves. It's trying to push all those emotions away. Now, this is obviously not the way that we're called to go. So we need to look to the Word of the Lord. We need to look to Paul's approach to this. And Paul's approach to contentment was found in Philippians chapter 4.13, where Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, what Paul is doing in his day and what he's even speaking to us in this moment today, is that as it relates to this, he's redefining this word contentment, and he's redefining it primarily in how we achieve this, and that it's to be achieved through Christ. And he anchors all of our contentment, all of our worries, all of our care, strongly, firmly rooted, firmly planted on Jesus Christ. That's why he says at the beginning of this chapter, he says, rejoice in the Lord, and in case you missed it, he said again, I say rejoice. Now, bear in mind, Paul is not pontificating about this from some lofty view looking over the ocean while he's eating grapes. He's writing all of this from a Roman prison. He was only fed as people showed up to feed him. And see, he's looking at all of this, and he's saying that, that all of this, that, that to the Greek philosophers, I mean, his culture, that this whole idea of contentment is found in yourself and the contentment is found about being self-sufficient, that you just lean into yourself, this, he's saying that this is a danger. Anything besides being rooted in Christ is a danger. Because one of the problems with focusing on yourself is it can create in you what I often refer to as a commodity-based relationship. See, when my happiness, when my contentment is found in me and what I can do, that causes me to go out and start to forage for whatever I can get. See, when I become the source of happiness and contentment, I start looking for friendships that will give me what I need. I start looking for relationships that will give me to whatever I need. I start living a life that's only looking out for who I think is number one, which is me, and I'm not number one. See, Aristotle even said that friendships based on utility or just pleasures are inferior because in these types of friendship. Friends are interested only in some benefit or pleasure to be gained through the friendship. And since our needs and pleasures change with time, 
These types of relationships are easily broken. We see that, don't we? When it's just commodity-based, when it's just, I'm just here for what I can get. I'm just here. As long as you keep feeding the machine, feeding what I want, then we are friends. But the minute that stops, the relationship breaks because there's nothing there. And the challenge with this is that this has even infiltrated the church, the body of Christ, our worship. See, when we show up here today, we're, we, we spend a lot of time to, to show how much we love you and we invite you and we want to pull you in. But the body of Christ is about serving one another. The body of Christ is about loving one another. And God's love, not the love that we get from this world that is easily broken, God's love is sacrificial. That means it's going to cost you something. That at times, you're going to be a little hurt. I've been a little hurt at times. And it's good because there's times that you're going to hurt somebody around you. Have you ever hurt anybody around you? I have. If I've hurt any of you today, I apologize for that. But that's the, what the body of Christ is. It's loving one another, forgiving one another, serving one another as unto the Lord. This is what family is. The families that stick together, they understand this. They love each other sacrificially as unto the Lord. They're willing to give and receive forgiveness. And I've said this before. Some of my closest friends are the people that I've had to apologize to. And they've forgiven me. And they've done the same. See, the body of Christ is not about getting what I want out of it. It's not about getting goods and services. Contentment is never found there. Because, see, I wasn't called to just feel it. Jesus called me to live it. I'm called to live the sacrificial life, following Jesus. And what Paul is saying, Paul is saying that this contentment is not something that we receive. It's not something that we find just by trying to change the circumstances around us. Paul is saying that this level of contentment is something that you learn. He says twice in this passage, he says, I learned this. Philippians chapter 4, he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. See, Paul is pointing to all of these situations in his life, highs and lows, plenty, hunger, He's saying that all of these things he has learned. So in other words, he's saying that these difficult situations are not things that he backs away from. These are situations that Jesus uses. In other words, this is the classroom for our learning. Our difficult times, this is the classroom. This is the place where, he, where Paul, he's, he's learned his Ph.D. In, 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 in contentment. Because when you look at everything he's been through, he's been, spent a lot of time in the classroom of pain. I love how Pastor Wayne Codero, he says this so well. He says, the truth is that you will fail. <laughs> he says, you simply won't have what it takes when you begin. You may have the calling, you may have the zeal, you may have the energy, and you may have the support. You may even have the location and the invitation and even the money, but when you begin, you won't have what it takes to finish. What is that, you might ask? He says, what's missing is that inner core, the tensile strength of faith that is revealed only under strain. 
It is the quality of character that is tested not in port, but in open seas. And it is this testing that ratifies your calling. It is something that can only be acquired through failure. Learning your limits and learning to trust not in yourself, but in the God that has called you. Wow. I wish I read that my first day of being a pastor. Because <laughs> it is. The reality is whatever you set out to do, you're going to have moments of failure. Every area. As a dad, I, I've had moments of failure. How many dads are like, yep. <laughs> as a pastor, I've had moments of failure. And as a husband, I've had moments of failure. Pick an area. I spent a lot of time and money practicing the piano. I've had moments of failure over here. But what he's saying is that when you go in, you keep pressing forward, you stay on the field, you stay in the game, that the things that were meant to crush you, the Lord comes in and he uses them to teach you and to strengthen you. And these lessons can only be taught through failure. That's why so many people just kind of back away from life. Or they start down a path of ministry and it gets hard and they back away. Or they get into, you, you can fill in the blank. You can fill in the, ba- in the blank. Most new businesses that start off, I mean, the experts will tell you, it's at least two years before you start making a profit. There are careers that they will tell you, for the first two years, you're not going to see anything. Just get that in your heart right now. <laughs> Why? You're being taught. You're learning. I start to say our first two years of marriage, but really it was 10 years of me learning how to grow up. And Steph will say both of us, but you're learning, you're developing, and you're being surrounded by the body of Christ that can help you in those times to say, it's okay, keep going. That's why it's so important as the body of Christ that we lean into the scripture that Paul is saying, it's all anchored in Jesus. He's saying, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength because in all of this, he's saying, you're going to fail. You're going to be hungry. You're going to be sick. You're going to doubt things at times, but you need to press through through this failure to learn that in your weakness, you're made strong. Have you heard that scripture before? It's when we're down and out that Jesus comes alive in us. If you want to experience resurrection in areas of your life, the first thing that you need to do is die. Living things don't experience resurrection. You need to die to yourself. And that is hard because the flesh doesn't want to give in. You need to be able to die to yourself. This is what Paul is talking about, and I think it's one of the, most, one of the biggest misunderstandings that, we, that, that people often have, and we've seen people walk away to Christ because sometimes we sell God to people in a way that says he's like Santa Claus. You ask whatever you want, and God will give it to you. And I'm here to tell you it's by the grace of God that God didn't give me some of the things I asked for. Right? When I was five, I asked my dad to give me a motorcycle. And the whole community thanked him for not doing that. We don't know. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But throughout Scripture, we have so many verses talking about the renewing of our mind. 
Because we need to learn what to ask for. We need to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit to know that as we're walking through these things, there are times that the Lord will give us, and God has poured so much into my life, but there's times that God will keep us at that front line where we're getting hit after hit after hit, and he's saying, this is going to strengthen you. you got to stay in it. It doesn't look like you're, you're having any victories right now, but you are being strengthened for what's in front of you. If you want to receive what the Lord has for you, the first thing he's going to do is prepare you. He's going to bring you through some difficulty because I need to learn. You need to learn. See, God strengthens us. He strengthens us, but we need to stay in it. This is the purpose of life that God has given to us. See, God's goal is not to make us comfortable. God's goal is to conform us and to shape us. And if you've ever watched a potter or if you've ever watched a blacksmith that's doing iron, I mean, it is they heat it up and they pound it and they pound it and then they put it in the cold water and then they heat it up and then they hit it and they hit it and they shape it. It's a beautiful tool at the end, but the process is pretty brutal. But if you pull yourself from the process, you're pulling yourself from the prize that God has for you. See, God is out for transformation. This is the process, and this is our temptation. All along the way, you're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to blame that person. You're going to be tempted to blame this person. You're going to be tempted to say, well, you know what? Just for this season, I'm going to wait, and I'll serve the Lord later. But the Bible is very clear. Choose this day. We have the promise for today, only today. What are you going to do with today? Don't pull out of the process. You know, sometimes when the Lord speaks to us and he's going through this strength, there's times when God gives us the strength to do what's in our hands to do. But there's sometimes that God just, the strength is to just get through it. Man, I saw that a lot during COVID. COVID was a great classroom for me. It was a great leveler. And there were victories along the way, but there were things that God says, Dwayne, you, you, I'm just going to give you strength to walk through it right now. You're not going to like it. It's not going to be fun. But I'm going to show you how to walk through it. You know, I've shared, my, my dad is at the end of his life. He's, he's going through stuff. What I speak to my dad every time I, I call him is I say, Dad, you're teaching me how to do this when I get to that stage in life. Man, I hope that when I come to those final season of my life, that I wake up in, in the morning humming a hymn, humming a song. He walks with me, he talks with me, he tells me that I am his own. I hope that I'm humming, speak Jesus. Speak it to the darkness, speak it over your family. See, all of that that's going on in my dad's life right now, it's only there because there's been a life of hardship. Never heard him complain. My kids have heard me complain. <laughs> I never heard my dad complain. It was a walk. It was a strengthening from strength to strength to strength. He's endured tough things, but along the way, he continued to walk through, and now he's waking up in the morning, just, and the hymn is humming. His body's failing. He's in great pain this morning, but he's humming it. He walks with me, he talks to me, he tells me I'm his own. 
one of the books that I've been handing out to a lot of people and, and recommending to a lot of people is this book by Sam Chan, and it's called Leadership Pain. And I've, I've quoted this before, but I think it's worth quoting today. And he writes this. He says, as long as we see failure, stress, and difficulties as intruders, we'll fail to let them teach us, shape us, and strengthen us. When we expect God to use pain in our lives to sift us, to prune us, and to build us, we'll have the tenacity it takes to endure hard times. And Paul said it this way. He said, we know that in all things, God works for the good. God works for the good. And that good is being conformed, being shaped. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is the path that's before us. That's why Sam Chan says in his book that your ability to lead, to do anything in life, is in direct proportion to how much pain can you handle. As leaders, he says this. He says, you know, your leadership lid, how much pain can you handle? Because if you're going to walk with people, if you're going to walk and just look fully at yourself. And here's the thing. If you lean into anything besides Jesus, it will eventually crush you and crush those around you. I don't want to do that. I want to lean fully into the Lord. That's why for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Do you know that whether I'm your pastor or not, I'm showing up every week? Because I need the body of Christ. I need the family of God to be around me, to remind me. Whether the coffee is good or bad, whether it's hot or cold, whether someone smiles at me or frowns at me, I need the body of Christ around me to help me. See, Paul, how did he achieve, achieve commitment? He knew God's plan for his life. He's like, God's got a plan. I'm walking with him. This, I'm walking with it. And he committed wholeheartedly to do it, gathering together. I mean, we gather together just once a week. I mean, the, the early church acts, they gathered together every day. They brought everything. They laid it down, and the church flourished. <laughs> And Paul achieved this contentment because he had the peace of being with the peace of being with God. It helped him to overcome the difficulties of this world. He's like, God, I'm with you. God, I know you. God, I'm following you. This is just going to strengthen me. So bring it. If I'm broke, bring it. If I'm in abundance, bring it. I'm just going to use it. If I've eaten today, if I haven't eaten today, God, bring it. You're teaching me. You're, you're with me. If I need it, you're going to bring it. That's why in all my prayers, I say, I'll often pray, God, if it's not from you, I don't need it. I'm asking for these things, but if you don't bring it, I don't need it. I only want what you have for my life. That's why Paul said, fix your thoughts on whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And he said, keep putting them. His church in Philippi, keep putting these things into practice. You've got to practice these things, all that you've learned, all that you've received, everything you've heard from me and seen me doing. And then he said, then here's what's going to happen. Then the peace of God that passes all understanding, it will be with you. Amen? I mean, can we all stand together? And would you just join me in inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we apply the Word of God to our heart today? Father, we want to respond to your word. And as the prayer teams come forward today, teach us, Lord, that we wouldn't just sit back, but, Father, we would lean into what you're speaking to us. And as we respond, because faith without works is dead, and I know it's a lot easier to walk out those doors than to come up here. We've done everything we know to do. But I want you to seriously ask, ask yourself today, if you were to measure your level of commitment, right, where one is like, <laughs> I got nothing, and 10 is like, ask yourself, this is just you and the Lord. We all want to say 10, but where am I today? And ask yourself, what are the areas where, man, I, I, I'm just getting hit? Here's the action step. You got to bring it to Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You got to let them know. And we have the body of Christ. So today, if you're hurting in any way, come forward for prayer. Meet us down here. Let's pray for one another. If you need healing today, come forward. If you're praying for a friend today, come forward. If you just want to see God move in this church and you're saying, Lord, I just want the spirit of the living God to move in this place, in this church, in this community, let's come forward. Let's pray for this today. So, Father, we now respond to your word. We respond to your word. Do your work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you step forward and pray with us today? Let's spend some moments seeking the Lord today. Yes, Lord, you reign. You reign over all things. So, Father, we walk now by your strength, by your power, leaning into you. In the mighty name of Jesus, through whom we can do all things. Everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. You know, somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, Pastor Ray, how do you know it's the voice of God? And one of the things that I'll often say is like, well, there's just two voices, <laughs> There's just two voices. The enemy would never tell you to go pray for somebody. The enemy would never call you to step out in a gracious work. If inside of you, it's ever speaking, just pray with that person. Just talk to that person. Do you know that some of the greatest experience I've ever had have been doing things where it's like, well, God, this is going to be embarrassing. But when we as the body of Christ, we're willing to step out. Now, don't be rude, right? Rude is rude. But just walking with people. You know, I've walked up to strangers and I've said, you know what, I just feel, can I pray for you? Can I, is there something I can kind of help walk with you today? 
I've seen some of the people that to me looked very mean just break in that moment. I'm praying for those encounters for you this week as you walk, as you walk out and as you do this, that, you, that inside of you, you would just hear the, the words of the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Can we just say that together? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. One more time. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, as we walk from this place today, I want you to be encouraged and walk through. Don't forget what the Lord is speaking to you. You may need to step out in front of you and just write it down. And as you walk in this week, walk with faith, believing, seeing what God will do in all things, all the things he's called you to. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being here today. This is our benediction as we walk forward from this today. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Love you all so very much. God bless you all.